Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast, uh, one of a new edition of what we're calling the coffee shop sessions, as we're actually recording this at a, an uncharacteristically early time, but nobody needs that peek behind the curtain. If this was 10 years ago, like when we started the podcast, the coffee shop sessions with both me and we both had a spliff on the go. <laughs> yeah. Now we're both it. boring and old. we're both old now, Raj. Yeah, yeah. That's the... That's the... The sad truth of it. <laughs> I'm I'm older, admittedly. I'll get that, but that is know. how time works. It's not as if I was yeah. ever going to catch you up at any point. That that gap stays the same. But you sort of do in a way. That's the weird. That uh, is the weird thing. Yeah, it's like um, the way I always think of this, and and I'm not being like weird, or I hope it don't come across weird. Like there's a three year age gap between my mum and dad. Um, but because like one of them's fifty and one of them's forty seven, they're essentially the same age. Yeah, but like. If they were in primary school and one was in year three and one was in year six, then you're like, uh, you'd never go out with the year three, but like, you know what I'm saying? It, it just well, put, put it this way. Relative. I was in sixth form when my wife was in year seven and uh, oh wow, she still calls me a paedophile. So, you know. Yeah, fair, fair play to her. There you go. Just, you know, it's just, it's, that's love. I'm uh, I'm seven months younger than my wife to be, yeah. um, so, so I uh, I take the piss and call her old. But really, the only reason there's any difference in in our ages is because uh, I'm I'm born in September, so I fall into the year below hers. But I was always the oldest in my year because I'm September second. Um, so really, there's no discernible difference between. Do the, the two of us. do the gals call her a cougar? They must have uh, no, I don't think they bring it up because it's seven <laughs> months. I think it's only something that I, I hold any water for, really. Oh, well. Everton. Um, oh, yeah, that, that, that game. Did you see... See, this is funny. This is interesting. Like, I've... Uh, here's oh, you my... didn't think it was the greatest Tottenham Hotspur game of the world just because some fucking goals were scored? No, nor, though, did I think it was... A grand embarrassment. I've seen kind of this take that, oh, typical Spurs on the big stage were an absolute embarrassment, an absolute shambles. I mean, look, do you, do you know what my, my... I mean, there was 10 minutes of the first half that was a shambles and an absolute embarrassment. Let's, let's yeah. start pretending it was some great stand. I mean, my, my baseline, right? My, my I told you I had a fiery, fiery, hot, spicy take about this one. Do you know what it is? It's basically that Generally speaking, better football teams win matches. 
And at this point in time, it might be hard for us to admit, Everton are probably just a better team than us. I think I it's... mean, if that's your spicy take, yeah. Jack, we can tell you why, because that was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was severely under-seasoned. I mean, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see it as... It was annoying and it was bad to collapse, but they collapsed as well. They everton the fuck out of it. We Spurs the fuck out of it. Oh, I, I tweeted the same at the time. Like, this is a proper ding-dong battle between the two biggest banter clubs in the country. Like, pound for pound, I think. I mean, what what did you make of it? Um, I was annoyed to start at half time. I think just before we just before it went three two and Lamella scored, I was lining up a tweet. I think I screenshotted you, which was you know double barreled, heads gone, calling them all weasels and spineless cunts and all that sort of shit. And then Lamella scored, and I quickly, uh, you know, changed tune <laughs> slightly because I was like, oh shit, they might actually win this game. Um. But it was the thing that got me is I try and think about it objectively, and because it's easy to let emotion take away with you when it's your own team. And I, I kind of think this is the sort of game that Mourinho was brought into not allow to happen. Like he, like one of his main objectives as Tottenham manager wasn't just to win something; it was to make us, you know, significantly less Tottenham. And this was a maximum Tottenham game in almost every conceivable manner. And I think he's just failed on all fronts when it comes to that. I mean, there's been the odd Mourinho game where, like, the City at home or stuff like that, even Liverpool away, when we've we've played to a, a style and a, a game plan and we've, you know, limited possession and, um, you know, hit on the break and all that sort of stuff and, and just defended back to the walls and it's worked, but... In games like this, like that's what should have been the case as well. Like I don't, I don't want us to go and stink every game out, and I don't want every game to be unenjoyable because I'd be lying if I didn't say sort of I was glued to this game in a way that I probably aren't to every one of our games anymore. But it just was one of them where I was, you kind of sat there and like, what are we really doing? Because this is no difference to a Pochettino game or a Martin Yule game even. It was just, it's almost as if the Tottenham DNA is too strong for any manager to try and overcome. So it was, it was a bit strange. And oh. my other uh, conclusion was that half the squad needs selling. I mean, that, 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 that to me is more the point because I find it, I really, I mean, right, it's twofold, right? Number one, on this, on the basis of what we had in front of us, I found it quite hard to blame Mourinho in a certain sense in so much as, Again, it was largely individual errors that was our, um, you know, our unmaking, if you like. You know, I mean, Hoybier was pretty disgusting for, I think it was like Everton's first or second. Um, and then, again, just silly penalties, people not watching their runners. And, yeah, I mean, I think there is this... Um, idea that these players exist in stasis that you know that Mourinho can't get better from them but it's still the same type of individual errors we were seeing under Pochettino um that would kind of be our undoing but in a way I suppose maybe it's like um, insanity then to be having the same players trying to make them play to a certain level and then when they fail being surprised by it and 
we've said this before about Spurs. We are we're very weird with how we manage our assets. We're we're sentimental, but then we're kind of Levy always wants to get his two pound on the fifty p when he sells them as well. Like if he's not getting a premium, he'll just cling on to someone. Um, it's probably because financially that's what we need to operate as a club and, and he needs that money to then reinvest in the squad or whatever, but it does long-term harm us and we are now feeling the the pinch of those years where we relied on miracles and didn't change the squad, but these aren't players who have always been bad. They're just like, you know, Harry Winks at one point in his career did boss a Real Madrid midfielder and last night came on and looked like, was it last night? Whenever it fucking was, the other day. Came on and looked like a competition winner. He didn't even look... He looked like a competition runner-up, mate. Like, he was... His touch was like a trampoline. He just... He didn't find the pace of the game. He didn't settle. He he might just be one of those players who's a shit sub because he's not mentally prepared or he's not engaged or he's not ready to, you know, jump into a game because he was similarly shite in that West Ham collapse. Yeah, and I, I think the problem for me with with Winks as well is that I think there's a certain. I mean, again, this is this is the uninformed layman's opinion from what I see, uh, and just the the way I've seen him sort of in interviews and stuff around his role in and around the squad. I do, I just get the vibe there's a certain level of entitlement to Winks. I feel that he seems slightly affronted that he's considered a squad player as opposed to a first-team starter. And I do wonder how much, as you say, buying into what you're saying there about the fact that he doesn't look particularly engaged, he doesn't really look switched on, how much that plays into it. And I mean, I, I'd, I'm i sort of at the point, I don't, again, I don't have a visceral reaction to it as such. I... 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 <sighs> want to stand by the lad as much he is a Tottenham fan he's a proper Tottenham boy he's one of our own and all that you know and I, I think it's 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 well and good to say it when it's Harry Kane and he's one of the best players in the world that we'd stand by him through thick and thin there is a part of me that thinks yeah maybe we should stand by Winks through that but <laughs> the selfish you know part of me that just wants to see Tottenham do well is like look 20 mil Crystal Palace, go on, have him. He can be your best. He can be your best player for well, that's the, thing. the like next would, ten years. You know, I think he'd look decent. He'd probably get in the England squad if he played for a uh, West Ham, Villa, Southampton, Palace, that sort of a team. Brighton, Newcastle, even uh, Fulham. He would be. I dare say. I dare say. He'd walk into most of the teams underneath within the league. Yeah, he'd go there and he'd look quality, and everyone would say, "Oh, look at the player Spurs flogged," but. We'd know the truth. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those kind of things for me. Um, and again, it could go the other way because we were... I don't know why we were less sort of invested in these players given they were, you know, probably more important to us at the time. But Bentaleb left having been brilliant and has amounted to nothing, but he's clearly got some attitude problems, serious attitude problems. Uh, Ryan Mason left and went to Hull and was okay, but... And, you know, it's unfortunate how his career came to an end prematurely, but it's not as if he were, we were missing him mm. in a footballing sense when he left. Um, so it's we have done these deals when sort of we um, we might not have otherwise, and, and we've got decent enough money for him. But 
I think that's probably more the players wanting to go. I think Winks probably wants to try and stay and fight for a place. And as admirable as that is, we just kind of, we might need to go, no, we, we're going to sack you off and then spend that money on a, you know, what's it called? Basuma from Brighton or something mm. like that. Like, if we reinvest the money like that, it'd be brilliant. And the other the other concern, though, Jack, is our squad is um, already quite... Um, uh, we've got a lot of international players and there's rotors to hit, especially yeah, post-Brexit. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've audit That's the reason why we got, like, Joe Hart and stuff in is because we didn't have enough English players and we kind of need to start doing that. And this next crop of you know, uh, academy talent doesn't seem to be up to scratch. You know, we've, we've got, it, you know, when we had like three or four pouring through at once, it doesn't feel like that at the minute. There might be another couple of years off. I think there's only... Oliver Skip's supposed to be yeah, actually Skip's, a player. I was about to say, Skip's had a decent year at Norwich, but other than that... It's yeah, not... and it's it's always hard to know, isn't it? I mean, Alex Pritchard looked decent every time he... I mean, Alex Pritchard... Tore the championship to pieces at Brentford. Yeah, and then and... Huddersfield bought him for twelve million, and he's been an abomination ever since. Yeah, I mean, so it, yeah, it's always it's always hard to know. Um, I mean, he's he's often billed as like this grand Machiavellian genius. Do you? I mean, there was a little part of me because it has been said that you know you you kind of imagine that people that actually work in football are somehow detached from the narratives oh they they don't read the papers they don't listen to talk sport they don't look at twitter or the internet in general but it's it's been said that jose Mourinho very much is the type of person who is in all of it he wants to know everything that's been said about him his teams and everything like that and i I couldn't help but get the feeling that the narrative quite aggressively so the past few weeks and you know with with good reason has been Spurs are boring and Spurs can only play with Harry Kane and this Everton game was notable for me in the well noteworthy for me in the sense that it was almost like Mourinho saying all right let's play expansively and let's play without Harry Kane and there you go we ship three goals and I have to bring Kane on to save the day like you know, it, it it just seems again like we're going to have a reaction off of the back off of the back of this as we did from the three three with West Ham. Yeah, I mean when we were in a moment when we were playing a bit more expansively, a bit more adventurously, he was trusting his defence to be able to cope with the added pressure more that 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 style of football brought to him, and again they let him down, and it's it's. <laughs> This is the kind of uh, this is something I wanted to sort of touch on really with Mourinho in that like I think he I, I was speaking to Scott about this the United fan the other day that I was chatting to that the, the the problem with Mourinho that I still find is as as much as it irritates me at times and as much as I do have this reaction to some of our games where I think oh why are you playing like that. Why are you doing that? You're so irritated. Oh, I just, maybe he is done. Maybe I do want him gone. But then when I try and kind of, when I take that step back away from like my emotional brain, which I can do every now and again, um, and sort of piece it together, piece together the argument that I would coherently form, he still seems to occupy those grey spaces for me, Mourinho, where you're like, I can't in good faith 
attribute this all to him. And whether or not he's doing this by design, whether he is this agent of chaos, or whether that is just the fact of it, that there are these narratives that are projected onto Mourinho because he's a bit of a twat, because he's a bit outspoken, that people then want to have this confirmation bias of Mourinho's this bad guy, he's a baddie, he's one of football's dark elements, he should be rooted out, um, and thus we see things that transpire on the football pitch, and that's just that's just all part of this. It's all part of this dark umbrella, this net that Mourinho has, this effect, when really it's like, well, if we remove that emotional side from this, which shouldn't be done entirely because I think it does play a part, and I'm not going to deny that it does, but at the same time, if we're to sort of Occam's razor this, Tottenham squad is not fit for purpose, and what he is trying to do is get us as close to the Champions League places as possible, and if that requires us to just be really, really, really conservative and rely on the strengths of our squad, which are, let's be honest, Kane and Son, and now Ndombele, who he is starting to incorporate a lot more, but in the first instance, Kane and Son scoring goals, surely then the rest of the game is going to be, our defence is crap, so let's just play an ultra-conservative style. Maybe it's less about Mourinho parking the bus and more about Mourinho literally trying to do whatever he can to mitigate for the fact of, like you say, we have a squad that's been neglected for a very long time and really isn't fit for purpose as a Champions League qualifying team, which is what clearly the aspirations of the board and the fan base is now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the second half of that is spot on because... Uh, but I don't think it was. Um, I don't think he was trying to make a point with the the team he sent out or, or how we played. Because if it wasn't for Robin Olsen suddenly becoming Lev Yashin for half an hour, we we would have been two three up. And well, the that game save been from done. Son was mad, ridiculous. Um, and the guy's shit. He was like throwing him in against Man United. So fuck knows how he's turned. It's just something that happens against Spurs apparently. Um, but yeah, we played well enough, and I don't think he can account for, or predict, or stop, or have any effect over that collective, complete loss of any semblance of sense or backbone that happened to ship three goals as quickly as we did. Like that was that's on the players. There's, there's nothing that he can do as a manager. He, he literally cannot hold their hand any more than he does. You you concede a goal, you concede two. Like we we mentioned this on on a past show that they're so quick to give up on themselves and to sort of fall into a a funk that it, it can't be him. And, he, and he's alluded to it now. He said in the press, sort of, oh they're losing confidence or they're a sad squad or whatever it is. He said, and he's essentially saying, look, that these lads don't really believe in themselves the way they should, and that's that's born to see on the field. Um, and, and yeah, I actually think, you know, having listened to you say it, there, there is a definite element to him trying to get blood from a stone in some senses because I think it's unfair for us to sort of go, oh, this is a squad that 
uh, Pochettino was having us play amazing football with and got to a Champions League final. That was, what, two, three years ago? And around that time, if, for, for the best part of 18 months under Pochettino, we were comparatively shit in the league and comparatively shit in, in other games. We just had a miracle and Ajax and, and put a run together in one of a cup with like VAR assists and, you know, Llorente playing a few decent games. And it's sort of like, I think there is an awful lot of predetermined um, sort of ideas and, and feelings about Mourinho. And pe- people wanted him to fail before he'd even second charge of a game because of who he is and what he had before. And that's understandable. And that's that's fair enough. Football's one of those rare things in life we're allowed to be somewhat irrational about because it's a folly at the end of the day. But... I think we're being somewhat unfair on the block and, and there is elements of him. He will just naturally fall back into his own comfort space, which is being defensive, being somewhat surly in the press and stuff. But I don't think he's been anywhere and comparatively as negative or embarrassing to be in charge of the club as he was at Man United or anything no. like that. I don't think he's actively like trying to break players or fuck the board off or anything like that. Like If he was at Man United... Like Delia Lee would not be getting a sniff. Like he would have just put him in the reserves and and everything else. But the fact that he seems to still be bending the knee somewhat to Daniel Levy and has gone right, you refuse to sell him. I'll have this broker these peace talks that will leak to the press. Take Ledley with me and then play him as soon as he's fit again. Like he's clearly been a company man to some point and he's not always done that. So I don't think he's completely fair to write him off, but. I don't think there's any long-term sort of... I don't think there's a long-term upside to having him in charge because we know that this with Mourinho only ends one way. No matter what happens, it ends one way. And and how we get there and what happens on the path to where the way it ends is all well and good. We can pick up a cup. We might be able to nick a Europa League or whatever and, and fucking hell if I wouldn't be happy with that. But... We kind of, and I think we, by the Delia Lee decision and, and stuff similarly, I think we, we've already shown as a club that we are looking beyond Mourinho. And the decision now has to be made really is, is he the manager that oversees the painful rebuild or do we bring in a project man to do it? Because there is Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko and Eric Dyer and uh, fucking... Uh, Aurier or Doherty, Doherty, by the way, whose finest performance for Spurs with his announcement video. <laughs> um, all these players that are questionable, Vinicius even, do we sign him permanently? Like, What would the point be of that if Harry Kane's not playing and we don't even bring him on? Um, all these questions to ask about these players. Like, do we sell them? Do we move on? Do we, you know, entirely gut the squad? Because in my opinion, we need an entirely new back well, majority of a back four. The only one who I'd say, like, yeah, he can definitely start every week is Regulon. Um, and he's apparently going back this summer as well. Yeah, and anyway. they've got a yeah, they've got a clause to buy him back if if Zidane fancies now, and probably not even his choice. It'll be Perez wanting him. But it's yeah, it's one of those where we definitely need one left back, if not two. We definitely need one right back, if not two. We could potentially need three to four defend central defenders because Toby Alderweireld has fallen off a cliff somehow. He has the odd occasional great game, but 
He's been overplayed to such it, a point that's where it. he's just old, and he's just got he's got players around him that you know. They, yeah. It's hard for the guy. I think. I think. Yeah. It, and it, it's especially at his age, he needs a solid kind of young centre back partner. You know. I think if we were. His age is one thing, but you need to view it through the prism of the fact that he was a week-in, week-out Pochettino defender for all those years with no backup. So that was playing football at a rate that most centre-backs don't play it. So when you're a John Terry or or that type who just sits there and, you know, blocks things coming at you for 20 years, then you can play till your mid-30s. But this bloke's done a bit more than that. And there's a bit more to his game, and, and we're asking too much of him for for somebody whose whose legs are just going a little bit. And I mean, let's not also forget that in his last year, Pochettino wasn't really using older world so nope. much either. So whether he saw something there or whatever, you know, we can only speculate on that. I mean, w- one thing I did sell, want to pick- sell him to Ajax for twenty million. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing I did want to pick up on, um, and this is you know, this is more one of my unfounded theories but it's it's not even something i stand by per se it's just it's just a point to consider because the way i often see this build um and this is on the kind of Mourinho pochettino side of things is that we have Mourinho now and then the alternative is going to be we're going to bring in another project manager that's going to bring the good times back, that we're all going to be happy, that we're going to have a Klopp light, you know, whether, I don't think it'll be Hassan Huttle now since he's masterminded two 9-0 defeats in successive seasons. <laughs> um, but, you know, whether it's, you know, a Nagelsmann or who, whoever. Rogers. There oh, seems to be this idea that we're going to have, like I say, a project manager, bring the good times back, It'll be like Pochettino again, and I think I do think like there's, disrespectful to Pochettino. Well, yeah, there's there's several parts to this in the respect that in my lifetime the only person that's ever come close to Pochettino uh, is Martin Yell. Tim Sherwood. <laughs> I just loved him, mate. It was such a good time. Um, but M- Martin Yell, I mean, those were those were good times, and I think, relatively speaking, as to what the club were and the club's ambitions at the time, he was probably as successful in a similar way to Pochettino in terms of it being a breakthrough and it taking Tottenham up a level, taking us to a place that we'd not really experienced before. In my lifetime, this is, I'm sure there's people who were alive in the 80s thinking what the fuck's this bloke on about um but or can at least remember the 80s i was alive in the 80s but i I detract from the point in so much as look i think now i i I just personally we need to consider the idea that okay we can get rid of Mourinho, but maybe you're on a hiding to nothing lads if you think that we're gonna sack Mourinho and bring in another Pochettino, as in a diamond in the rough who has maybe done some, you know, admirable work with a a lesser club, shall we say, who could be promising, who would need four or five years to build us up to a place to get a core group of galvanised players together who all live and breathe and run through brick walls for him. But we're a club that now sits in a 
a £1 billion stadium that has been hit by coronavirus that ne- that needs, not, not wants, doesn't want it as a fanciful, prideful thing, needs Champions League football. It needs it. This sense that we can just write off a few years or take a gamble on, for example, let's say Graham Potter, right? Somebody like that who... Yeah, okay, great. You could make some parallels with what Potter's doing at Brighton and what Pochettino did at Southampton. Cool. But Tottenham are not the same club now as they were then. Yeah, bang on. We need to face the reality that Tottenham are now the club that, right, Mourinho goes, who's available? Allegri. Bring him in. Let's see if he can crack it. Right, fuck, that's not worked out. Allegri's not available. Right, Real Madrid are just sacked Zidane. Let's bring him in. Let's see what happens. That might be the club that we are now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And yeah, our next roll of the dice is the um, is a sentimental one. It's oh, Ryan Mason's doing really well in in the club. We'll put him in charge, or Ledley and Ryan are going to take charge, and that sort of a thing. But you're completely right because as nice as the idea might be to give Graham Potter five years to build a project, Harry Kane's not throwing five years of his career away in his prime to potentially become a league winner in five years' time. Hung Min Son's not extending his contract for that. Like we said this before, the only sellable and uh, you know sort of acceptable in a both a PR and a squad management sense appointment post Pochettino was Mourinho because you needed his stature and track record to you know sell that as a sense of progression and a step up for the club. And and in many ways, without being disrespectful to what. Pochettino did it. It was because he, you know, he came from Southampton. Mourinho comes from, you know, a laundry list of the biggest clubs in Europe, and and having won at each and every single one of them. So it's it, we have to continue that trend now. That is, you're completely right in saying that's what we've become. We are another one of of those clubs that will just swap managers every few years. Will you know, if there's somebody bright and up and coming that has a few good years at Dortmund, they'll be linked. So, you know, if we if we'd have sacked off Mourinho before and Tuchel was available, we'd have gone for him and all that sort of shit is. We're just another one of those clubs going for a very small and limited pot of managers that end up being at several high-profile clubs. Like, it wouldn't shock me at some point if Conte cops up at Tottenham or, or something like that. It's, it's all the same sort of ideas and all the same sort of you know, people and and things because that's the only way that we can sort of keep players happy and and sort of sell it to fans as well as like, oh, we've got in a winner, we've got in somebody with this track record, we're going to go for this. And 
unless there's like an AVB type who who at a you know a smaller club has one of those seasons where he fucking pisses at absolutely everything, then there's not going to be a, a a sort of a clamor for that sort of profile of manager again. I don't think like the one at the minute who is the outstanding candidate in terms of that is Nagelsmann, yeah. and whether or not we actually get him or not is there to be seen. I think he's still in his thirties as well, so it's sort of. That's a weird appointment because the guy has been doing it a long time, but he's really fucking young now and sort of, do you want the 33-year-old or whatever or do you want the guy who's 60 and one shitloads? Like, who's the one that sort of you bank on? And I kind of feel as if we're, you know, until Pochettino maybe comes back at some point, this is us now. This is this is the This is the club we've become and sort of, we spent years yearning for Spurs to be sat at the top table, and now we are. We, we're kind of going to have to make our peace with that because we don't get to we don't get to have love affairs like the Pochettino one anymore because that's not what clubs of this size and and this ambition tend to do. It's it's just it's a very rare thing, and to assume that any young manager with uh, you know a few bright ideas is going to capture hearts and minds in the same way Pochettino did either misunderstands what Pochettino achieved and sort of is disrespectful to his time at the club or just you know didn't really wasn't really as enamored with him as as everyone else was so it's I agree with your point it's sort of it's making making sense and, and making your peace with with what Tottenham in 2021 are compared to where we were five, six years ago, because it's, it's completely different um, I, I think in, that's in a, every sense. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you raise as well on the, emo- <clears throat> oh, gross. on the emotional level. Just that if you think Pochettino can be kind of replaced in that sense as easily as just, you know, we can bring in a, a young guy that isn't Mourinho, then you kind of... M- miss the point as to quite how special Pochettino was at least in in my opinion anyway you know the greatest manager we've had in my lifetime by a by a long way you know greatest comfortably greatest manager one of the best probably men we've we've had you know it was just it was a joy to have him associated with the football club and you know you don't you don't just get to have that because Mourinho's really bad, the alternative isn't always that. And can I just say, I just want to caveat this by saying, this isn't just some advocacy of like, we should therefore keep Mourinho. I get there are very succinct arguments as to why we are already nearly approaching Mourinho endgame. Although I do feel like those are, again, on a hiding to nothing. £15 million a year contract until 2023. There isn't a chance to me that a few poor results in league fixtures when we're still within touching distance of the Champions League are going to see him sacked. I've seen some people say if we lose to City and then maybe lose to West Ham and then we go out of the Europa League, he's got not a chance. Not a chance. If we finish the season mid-table, don't win any cups, then there may be some sort of clause that comes into into play that will see him be able to break and we can give him a lower compensation fee but we're not paying him 45 million pounds at this point to well, sack I think him. the way that um the way that spurs work it is um this is what we did with potch is we just stick them on gardening leave so 
Pochettino wasn't allowed to join any other English clubs while after we'd got rid of him because until his contract ended because we were just paying his contract as it was. So we never paid him a lump sum and told him to fuck off. We just carried on paying him in the background and just let him exist. And then there was that point where his contract had ended at Spurs and we'd stop paying him. And so that, that was any payoff he was going to get. I wish my job would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. I, I, I've not even, you know, um, I was gonna say the other thing to um, the other thing with with having Mourinho in charge is if we do need somebody to not bend Levy's will, but kind of you know impose his own will on him in terms of look these players I want to get rid of and I want these other people to come in. Mourinho's best place to do that because he, he's got the stature and he's got the sort of bollocks to just go in and go, look, he's shit, he's shit, he's shit. Fucking, you're not going to get 30 million for him. Sell him for what you can and give me the money to reinvest in this squad and we're going to need to spend, you know, a net of 100 to 200 million this window to get a functional defence and get a a team worthy of, of actually taking the field and, and being worthy of being in a conversation for Cups again because... That might be fair because if, if we think about how many transfer windows we took off, it's it's not an exact science, but it's probably fair to say we need that amount of very active transfer windows to rectify those wrongs. And there must have been three or four because there was two full years where we didn't sign fucking anyone and there's two windows a year where we actually need to do something. And we did nothing this January. We had a fairly decent summer on paper in terms of bringing people in, but... You know, a couple of those are already you know, raising your eyebrows at. Uh, so on, it's... on this one, quick question for you, right? If we're if we're looking at a coronavirus affected ring fence transfer budget for Tottenham, uh, which will mean that we basically are we're fishing in the. 12 to 15 million pound hit and hope you know one one side is Doughty the other side is Hoybier Barrel but there's the potential for us to spend bigger were we to lose one of the key assets learning from the Christian Eriksen thing and considering he has what a year left on his contract after this year if he doesn't sign do you consider offers for Son this summer? Only if he wants to leave, otherwise you sign him up. And I think I I, I was under the impression with all the activity around him in terms of the fucking Korean feed and all that sort of stuff, buying in the Korean females captain and all that thing and doubling down on that market that we, we were fairly close to getting that contract signed. And the lad seems happy enough. Whether or not his dad's happy with him yeah. not winning anything is another question. Um, and that... That documentary do, on do Amazon. Do you consider it? offers for Kane? I won't just single Son out. No, no. I, do, you, my, uh, this is probably one for another day, but I, I think Kane's gone, mate. I'm, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I'm getting worried about. I'm that not one. because he he's still not broken the all-time transfer scoring record. <laughs> I think he really wants that. Um, I, I, I think if if City don't get Haaland... Uh, so, because I think there's going to be a bun fight for Haaland this summer. That's my thing. And 
if City don't get Haaland, I think they'll absolutely come. I think he's game. aged out of it now, and he's had one too many injuries. Kid. I don't know. I, I see this again. This is another one of those things I look at. I think Kane's injuries are far more pronounced because he's at a team like Tottenham. There isn't there isn't this constant speculation about Kevin De Bruyne's career when he's probably got more significant injuries and is often affected by injuries a lot more than. Oh, Kane. he's not English either. And but they can just manage his time. I think Kane. He's still post. I've I've, I've done this one to death. But for yeah, me, yeah. But Harry Kane's not going to go to City and want to sit on the bench every other every other day. And mate, if it means he wins a, I think he'd do and that I to don't, win a Premier League. The guy's title. face when he's playing fucking farmers in the Europa League, like he's fuming. It, he's not well, going to want to sit on the bench like. Oh, if Pep turns out and goes, oh, it's only Southampton this week. You take a week off. It's going to be like, no, because fucking. Salah's ahead of me in the scoring charts. I'm this many behind Alan Shearer. I want to fucking fill my boots. I know what you're these. saying, but I, I, th- I know we can only speculate. This is just our, our opinions. But still, I think it is getting to the point of his career now when he's like, do I want the all-time record or do I want to win a Premier League? And I think the more and more he looks at Brady, for example, winning another Super Bowl, he's going to be thinking, fuck me, man. Like, this, this ain't happening. Like it's, I think he's more likely to stay until he's like in his early thirties and then retire early and go and try and be an NFL kicker or some shit like that. I don't think I'm not. I don't think we're in any danger of losing him anytime oh, soon. That might know, be man. me being uh, overly um, sort of confident about that. But I, this, this, I think well, even can, if he wanted yeah. to leave, I think it's a lot harder than he, he's going to assume it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I mean, let's just because we are going to have to wrap up very soon. Quick one, um, Manchester City. Now, I mean, for me, oh, we're gonna have our pants pulled down. That's yeah, what we're about. I know. Like, I mean, I'm not. The thing is, I'm. You know me. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm not afraid to predict a predict a kind of win against the odds. And I, I thought we'd beat them well, earlier. One second, on in Jack. The I've season. just got a, you carry on talking. I've just yep. had a knock at the door. I, I thought we'd beat them earlier on in the season, and we did. But to me, this has the look of a game that basically is... For, for, basically, for every time there's a Champions League fixture where we can turn up and look like a plucky underdog and it will take some grit, it will take some determination for us to get it over the line, you can have that feeling that we're going to get it done. And Manchester City equally seem to have us in their own heads that we're not yeah that they're not going to be able to overcome us because Tottenham are a bit of a bogey team. Um I mean this is really weird. I'm just talking to nobody right now. You can actually hear Raj in the background Hello. talking to someone at the door. And, yeah there uh, was a, a man here to fix the wardrobes. Um, so we need to wrap the podcast up. Cool. Well basically I was just gonna say that there are some times when it looks like Spurs might get a win against the odds, but there are times when Edin Dzeko turns up at White Hart Lane and scores four goals, and we remember, shit, this is Manchester City. Oh, yeah, it's They're Valentine's get Day the on Sunday, done. Jack. We're going to get our, this is our time to, you know, lay down and think of England. We'll put the fancy knickers on then, shall we? Yep, yep, yep. Can there get we the go. Slip on. Right then, Reg. Well, on that note, um, have fun getting your wardrobe fixed. And if Not you. <laughs> yeah, on that note of Valentine's Day and pants being pulled down. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to Rulerish Podcast. Like, subscribe, 
do all oh, that. By the way, shit. Um, just before I go, thank you to those people. That Jack's turned on this uh, like support function on the Acast, which we don't talk about because we're not begging on the side of the street. Uh, but thank you to those people that have um, done that just randomly because uh, that's not an expectation. I think you randomly just ticked a box one day, didn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I just sort of thought, you know, we have both on on a real one. We have both sort of spent money on recording equipment to to make the pod better. Um, and it yeah, it didn't come free, but we're not gonna stick it. And this isn't side eye or anything. I'm just saying we're not gonna stick it behind a paywall. We still sort of agree with the fact that everybody should be able to listen to the pod. But if anyone... and more more the fact that. I don't think we're professional or, or doing enough to, to do <laughs> that. Agree. If we record like three, four a week and all that sort of shit, then that's fine. But the fact that like last night we were supposed to do one and I kind of went, I fucked my jacket potato up. I can't be bothered doing it. You were like, yeah, that's sound. Uh, we can't really expect people to be paid for that level of but professionalism. If, if the appetite's there, maybe we could. But at the same time, you know, we do have the support feature. So if you do want to chuck a bit, please do. But don't feel obliged to, just so you know it's there. Um Anyway, I, I feel so uncomfortable doing that stuff. It's uh, I, but we haven't we haven't done the manscape or Harry's razors thing yet. So and we have been offered, by the way. We have been, we have been. They just didn't and we always to, say they no. didn't want to give us. <laughs> they didn't want to buy it, buy our egos for enough for us to do that. But anyway, carry on listening to the pod. Listen to the old episodes. Watch Spurs wipe, please. I beg you. Um, come on, you Spurs. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 